0: This is Gordon Vernick with Jazz Insights. Today we're going to continue with the music of the great bassist Paul Chambers. We're going to start today's session with a wonderful track from his album Bass on Top, released in 1957. It's a feature on the Jerome Kern composition Yesterday's. He plays it arco, in other words with the bow. It really shows off his orchestral chops, especially in the middle and high register of the double bass, which has a very cello-like sound. So check out Paul Chambers playing Yesterday's Arco, 1957. years, 1957 through 1960, were very busy years for Paul Chambers. He made an immense amount of records and very, very important records at that. Of course, all the records he made with Miles Davis, uh, the classics. I mean, he made some recordings with John Coltrane, with Red Garland. We're going to concentrate today's show on, on most of those records from this period. The next track we're going to listen to is one of the most famous from the Blue Note archives, and it's John Coltrane's first and only record is a leader on Blue Note. It's a very famous record. The name of the record is Blue Train. And of course, Paul Chambers was the bassist on that record. He was only 22 years old at that time. And so was a very young Lee Morgan, early in their career. So we're going to listen to probably the most famous track from the record, which is called Blue Train. We're going to pick this up about midway through Kenny Drew's great piano solo. So you can really hear Paul Chambers bass playing and then we're going to move ahead and listen to Paul's great solo on Not only was he a great soloist, as evidenced by that particular solo, um, he sounds very much um, like a pianist with those bebop lines. A lot of bass players um, are great walkers or great accompanists, but not every great walking bass player is a great soloist who can also solo using the bow, and of course that was really one of Paul Chambers' greatest strengths, was his ability to play wonderfully melodic walking bass lines, great arco and great pizzicato solos. These old records from the 50s were made with what would be considered rather primitive equipment by today's standards, but they still capture this beautiful, warm sound that sometimes you don't catch on modern records, and even when Chambers would play, sometimes you hear these little pops and buzzes, probably because of the the height of his strings on the fingerboard. And of course, using gut strings with a little bit of fraying on them, that causes all these very um, unusual sounds. But it also makes a sound that's very much um, identifiable to a specific player. And Paul Chambers is pretty easy to identify. The next track we're going to listen to is from 1957 also. This is one of Red Garland's albums. It's called Red Garland's Piano. And this is a beautiful ballad entitled The Very Thought of You. We're going to pick it up about halfway through. Now pay attention to um, the way Paul Chambers is playing the bass. He's playing uh, more or less interactive bass style which you're going to hear later in the early 60s especially in bill evans great tree with scott lafaro but you're hearing a little bit of that with paul chambers he plays a very melodic supportive role and more interactive than just playing roots as the chords change so check this out this is a magnificent recording The next track we're going to listen to was recorded in 1958. It's another Red Garland Trio record. This is called Can't See For Looking." It's a track, it's entitled Blackout. It's a really nice, very simple melody. With the Red Garland Trio, it's it's so transparent. That's what I love about this trio. You know, Red plays great right-hand lines. He comps beautifully, and then sometimes he'll move into what's called a locked-hand style, kind of an orchestral style of playing the piano. But it's not really overbearing. You can hear all the components: the drums, the cymbals, the the brushes, everything. And of course, Chambers' magnificent bass playing. So it's a really it's a really well-balanced and oiled group. We're going to move ahead in this track. We're going to check out. Paul's solo um, later about halfway through the track and check out the horn-like lines and little quotes he throws in from bebop melodies. The next track we're going to listen to is recorded in 1959, and it's on a record called Just Friends. It's hard to tell the original record what the title was. It was recorded on a label called VJ, which was a short-lived Chicago-based record label. A lot of great jazz artists recorded on this particular label. It's a live recording. Uh, featuring Cannonball Adderley, who was with Miles Davis' group at the time. So they made a lot of records together. And I believe the trumpet player is Donald Byrd. The discography information for this particular record is is very shady at best. But check out this up-tempo, I Got Rhythm, and listen to these big, fat notes, as my bass player friends call it. That Paul Chambers plays at this incredibly fast tempo, and also check out Cannonball's magnificent solo on I Got Rhythm 1959 live recording. 1959 might have been Paul Chambers' most important year in the recording studio. He recorded the best-selling jazz album of all time with Miles Davis, of course, the very famous Kinda Blue, and recorded in two sessions in early 1959. And then later in the spring of 1959, he recorded another important record with John Coltrane entitled Giant Steps. I mean, in one year, two of the possibly the most important jazz records ever made to appear on both those records. He was only 24 years old, and arguably the bass line he plays on, So What, is the most instantly recognized bass line in all of jazz. end of 1959, Miles Davis's famous sextet broke up. Cannibal Adderley went his own separate way, so did John Coltrane. Bill Evans had already left and formed his famous trio, and it left Miles Davis with some musical questions, how would you, how do you replace these amazing musicians? And he did a good job. He brought in Wynton Kelly, who stayed with him for a number of years, great pianist, great sense of swing, a wonderful touch on the piano, had a different drummer, um, brought in Jimmy Cobb after he let Philly Joe go. But he couldn't seem to find a suitable replacement on the tenor saxophone. He hired Hank Mobley, who was a wonderful tenor saxophone in the blue note, hard bop style, but it wasn't the same as John Coltrane. 1961 was a year when he was still looking for the right combinations of musicians and really hadn't found it. So the record is really interesting in that he uses two drummers. He brought back Philly Joe to play on a few tracks in addition to Jimmy Cobb. He had Hank Mobley, but he also brought John Coltrane back to play on a few tracks. And of course Paul Chambers on bass was still an integral part of Miles' group until about 1963. The most important track on the record is the title track, and it features Paul Chambers very prominently. He plays this F pedal that is just magnificent. So we're going to go out with a 1961 recording of Someday My Prince Will Come, Paul Chambers on bass. This has been Jazz Insights with Dr. Gordon Vernick. Visit me on the web at gordonvernick.com. Jazz Insights is produced by WMLB AM 1690, the Voice of the Arts in Atlanta, Georgia.